From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, happy uh, Monday, everybody. Welcome back. Here we go, 18th day of September, 2023. Live at Border City Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino, where we're getting ready for a doubleheader of Monday Night Football. In fact, we have not just one, but two games. The game starting in a little more than an hour from now will be New Orleans and Carolina. Following that, we're going to have Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And looking forward to these games. In fact, it uh, should be a lot of fun uh, with us here at uh, Border City Alehouse. In fact, as far as specials go, hey, it's pint night. Three fifty-four, fifty-five, fifty pints, four-dollar Fireball, and three-dollar cans of Modelo. That's right, three-dollar Modelo cans as well on special here tonight. We have so many prizes to give away. I got to get these. Uh, I got to just go through the list. All right. First off, um, and and again, excited about everything we're going to be doing here on the show today for Sports Talk Live, courtesy of all that music and video, where I was there a little while ago, Adrian, and when I walked in, I noticed something. There is something for everybody at all that music and video. I know we talk about the, the, the vinyl. We talk about, um, you know, collectibles uh, and everything it has. But, I mean, I was in the store and I saw figurines everywhere. I saw posters everywhere. There are so many things out there um, at, at um, you know all that music and video inside the fountains of Farah. My first reaction when I was when I was picking up our prizes today was there's just something for everybody. In fact, Steve, exactly uh, you know what? It, in fact, Steve, I can never leave that place, all that music and video, without any sort of, of like vinyl. I always leave with some vinyl, always add to my collection. They always have, in my opinion, the best selection of vinyl. I love uh, going in person to all that music and video. And by the way, their social media is great. In fact, uh, they drop a lot of their new releases on Instagram. So you nice. should check them out, all that music and video on Instagram as well. So let's go through the prizes, shall we? Here we go. They loaded us down today. My thanks to Tom, George, and the whole team out there and all that music and video. We've got key chains from all four teams playing today. So Browns, Steelers, Saints, and Panthers. We've got a collectible now, Christian McCaffrey, Carolina Panthers Pop Funko to be giving away today. We've got four DVDs. The 2003 NFC champion Carolina Panthers, the Cardiac Cats. We also are going to be giving away a Super Bowl championship uh, Blu-ray from the Saints. I have History of the Steelers on uh, DVD, History of the Browns on DVD. And if that's not enough, how about a Steelers insulated lunch bag and also a Baker Mayfield full-size Funko Gold premium vinyl figure. Just like last week when we had that collector's item from Zach Wilson, now we've got Baker Mayfield, and he's also going to be given away today. Man, that is so cool, Steve. Uh, so, I'm still on that lunchbox as well. What a great gift right there. 
So many great things. I'm so excited. Adrian, you came through as always. A free hour at Kick Social El Paso, 812 Montana. We'll be giving that away along with two free axe throwing sessions from Relax El Paso at 8. It's going to be given away. And then, courtesy of 915 Sports and Novelties at Bassett Mall, that's 6101 Gateway West, we are giving away a Super Bowl champion of the Tampa Bay Bucks. This is also very cool. So from the Brady Super Bowl championship winning season era, snapback gray ball cap with the Super Bowl championship Buccaneers logo. So all that and more here tonight that we will be giving out at halftime of the Steelers and the Browns at Border City Alehouse, 1509. Um, Adrian, you're up late on Saturday into Sunday. Not till 3 in the morning, unfortunately. Um, and maybe because the game itself, uh, the lack of fireworks, and the fact that the game ended after midnight is why uh, Minor Talk was only up till about 1.30 in the morning on Sunday, early morning, after that uh, UTEP loss to Arizona. So I was thinking we were going till uh, 3 in the morning when it started at like 9.20. Steve, it didn't start on time. The game didn't. Uh, it finally started, and I was thinking to myself, well, there's no one who's going to score. Boring game I've seen from UTEP in a while. Their offense was uninspiring, only scored three points in the entire game, zero touchdowns by their whole offense. I don't count that garbage time touchdown, that Kevin Hurley throw to Giovanni Gardier. I don't I'm soft coverage for Arizona. Uh, they don't really care at that point, and UTEP just wants to get some points on the board with their second unit. So uh, only th- scoring three points on the road. Granted, it's a Power 5 team. I get it. But that's the reason why uh, we had a little bit more of a quiet show. I thought the second half moved fast earlier than expected. Uh, I was thinking it was going to end closer to 1. It ends at 12.30. And then we go on right away here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, we actually had more uh, traction from callers out in Tucson, Arizona than in El Paso. And I think a lot of people wow. in El Paso uh, were just watching that Colorado-Colorado State game. What a great game that was. Uh, very entertaining all the way to the end. Uh, but the UTEP-Arizona game, yep. not entertaining whatsoever. And I got comfortable on the couch. It was somewhere mid-third quarter. And the next thing you know, I woke up and there was like three and a half minutes left in the game. I don't blame you. I mean, UTEP... And the score hadn't changed much. So, yeah. UTEP actually made me sick over the weekend, Steve. I legitimately feel sick today, and I think it's because of uh, you know staying up late and watching UTEP. I believe it. Although that, that Colorado Colorado State game really was um, was was amazing. It was, um, and one of the highlights. Although Texas was flirting with disaster against Wyoming, that could have been a, a mess as well. So. We've got two hours. We're going to take we're going to take plenty of calls. We're going to go also to social at six hundred ESPN El Paso. But I have to begin with a story I heard just a little while ago that made my day. It made me feel like there is still hope in the world. So let me give this story to you, Adrian, and I want you to give me your take when it's all done, okay? Because this one's going to take a little while now. I'm going to give you some background on this. Although I've always been a Jet fan, my dad was a Giants fan. So I grew up in a Giants fan's household, and I was was the Jet fan. My dad really never liked the Jets, but he didn't hate them. He just wasn't a Jet fan. He was a Giant fan. So in the late 80s, when the uh, St. Louis Cardinals moved to Phoenix, 
we would go, there was a group of us, probably 10 to 15 people, and um, everybody would drive out or fly out to Phoenix, spend the weekend there, go watch the Giants play the Cardinals. This was well before they moved to Glendale, by the way. This is when they played in uh, Arizona State Tempe Stadium. So we're not talking about luxury seating. We're talking about benches. But I watched a lot of Phil Simms, and I watched a lot of Jeff Hostetler back in the um, 80s and 90s. And it was a trip that was pretty much a yearly ritual with all these New Yorkers that would go, and my dad was part of that, and I usually went with him on that trip. So a lot of good memories. In fact, we once went to the, we found out where the Giants were staying in some resort, knocked on LT's hotel room door, and there were players in there. He barely peeked out, looked at us. We asked him for his autograph. He just simply shut the door, and that was the end of that. So LT was not going to be bothered by uh, some teenagers knocking on his hotel room door asking for an autograph. But we gave it a shot. We did. We did everything we could. But the point is, Adrian, um, I know that trip well to Arizona because I experienced it with my family. Now, let's fast forward to this past weekend. One of my... uh, buddies is is pat bird who uh runs a sarah farms milk here in el paso and pat is from new york state he's a big giants fan so as you might imagine so are his kids so he took his son jack with him to phoenix this weekend to watch the giants and the cardinals now when you think about it um first off you know Jack is playing 11U football here in El Paso. So, number one, it's fan because of his dad, and he's playing youth football here in the heart of Cowboys country. So you can imagine what it was like when he gets on an airplane with his dad in his Giants gear and heads out to Phoenix for the weekend. So he's in Cardinals territory, but he's a Giants fan. Then he believes he found out where the team was staying um, in Phoenix. So he goes with his dad, stakes out for hours where he's hoping there are players, but he struck out. No players out there, and unfortunately, um, you know, he wasn't able to meet any of the, the giant players. Fast forward to yesterday. He's in the stands with his dad wearing a Saquon Barkley jersey. During the game, he asks his dad, hey, do you mind if I try to get a little closer, maybe move down near where the uh, the, the tunnel is, where the players come out? So Pat says, sure, realizing that he might have just lost his 11-year-old in a sea of tens of thousands of fans watching this football game. Well, anyway, um, Jack has no phone. So I should point that out. No cell phone, goes out on his own, and just decides he wants to move down and move lower. Well, he ends up befriending a big Giants fan who's got the name Legacy Leg on the back of his jersey that he's wearing. So he's got a huge chain, Legacy Leg. He's hanging out with him. As the Giants make this miraculous comeback, and they didn't leave. They stuck around. Down 20 to nothing at halftime. They, uh, Pat and Jack stuck around, okay? At the very end of the game, 
there was a Hail Mary. And the ball, when it fell incomplete, was taken by one of the Giants' cornerbacks, Ottery Jackson from USC, a veteran. And sure enough, during the celebration, Jackson comes up to Jack, gives him the game ball. So he gets the Cardinal game ball from the last incomplete pass as the Giants win the football game. And the story gets better. Now he has the game ball. Then players come up and they start giving him game-worn gloves. And as Jack stays after the game, he proceeds to get the entire Giants team to sign his game ball. Berkeley, who is injured in this game, and we find out has now a sprained ankle and is, according to Adam Schefter, going to miss the next three weeks, comes out after the game, sees Jack and wearing his jersey, and what does Saquon do? He autographs Jack's jersey. So he comes back to El Paso with a signed Giants game ball from the last play of the game that the Giants win 31-28 and his Saquon Barkley jersey signed. Oh, and by the way, he was the only one that got Saquon's autograph to sign after the game. He signed one autograph. That was Jack's jersey. Nobody else. That is what I call a trip of a lifetime for an 11-year-old who comes back with memories that he will never forget for the rest of his life. Man, what a great story right there. Uh, Very happy for Jack here in this case. And what a story it was for New York to not only rally back, but to win that game. They were down 20 to nothing. Everybody counted them out. And I was thinking, oh, no, are we looking, are we in for a disaster of a season for the New York Giants already in just week two? Uh, They flipped the script. They won the game. Their defense looked sharp to close things out. A little tanking uh, by uh, the Arizona Cardinals, possibly, Steve, because it didn't seem like a lot of urgency out of them coming out of halftime. But nonetheless, the New York Giants getting a big victory, but Jack getting an even bigger victory off the field. I love it. I love that story. It's amazing. I mean, really. And the fact is, all he wanted to do was meet the Giants. He flew into town. Tried to go to the hotel. I can appreciate that because I did that 1,000 years ago. He did it with his dad. Didn't have any luck. Could have given up. No. Stuck around. Wanted to watch the rest of the game. Moved down. Gets a gamer. Autographed by the team. And he gets to meet his hero, Saquon Barkley, in the process. That, to me, is a first-class story. Unbelievable. So, love that. Absolutely love that. All right. 18 past. Good to have you with us here on our Monday edition of Sports Talk. We've got phone lines open, 505-6009. With you. We've got so much to get to. We'll do it next right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us. Hale House, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come down and join us. Doubleheader tonight. In fact, an hour from now, it'll be the Saints and Panthers. And then uh, at 615, we've got the Steelers and the Browns. We've got prizes from all four teams. We're going to be giving away at halftime of the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game. Only one way to see us, and that's here at Border City Alehouse. By the way, there is one thing I did not mention, and I want to thank uh, Chad for the assist on this. That was Jack's first 
NFL game. Maybe that makes that story even better. You know, first NFL game, you see one of the best comebacks you're ever going to see in your life, and then you get the game ball and all the autographs afterwards. That, to me, uh, Adrian, just makes it even better. What a great story. I love that one. And the fact that he met all the players and got the signatures and got uh, the gloves and accessories, too. I mean, what a great uh, what a great weekend for him. And I was talking to his dad, and he said that one of the things he loved so much about it is that not just the fact that the players took time to sign for the kids, right? But a couple of them talked to them and even said, you know, stay out of trouble, do great things in life. I mean, giving them life advice as they're autographing for them. That is such a cool story right there. I love that. Absolutely right. All right. Hey, let's go to the phones. Two lines are available. 505-6009 as uh, we get going here on the program. Orly's going to start us off today from the west side of town. Orlando, thanks for the call. How are you? I'm doing okay. Let's go with UTEP first of all. It's frustrating. You know, I have followed this team for a long time. I can remember coaches like Tommy Hudspeth, Gil Bartosh, David Lee, Bill Michaels, Mike Dobbs, I mean, uh, Bobby Dobbs. Go back a long time. I have really never been so disappointed as I have with this team this year. It's, um, there's no imagination. I'm tired of hearing the excuses. All you got to do is get up by seven on UTEP. You're not. They're not. You're not. Gonna, they're not going to catch you. There's no, no the problem, and everybody's going to say we. This is a team that was supposed to be highly. I mean, people were excited about this team. Yep. You've got senior laden team. You've got superstars on there. I mean, remember Gary Nord had the same thing, and then Mike Price came in the following year and won with his ball players. I think that's what could happen here because I don't think he. I'm not a big fan of his of his play selection. It's very predictive. You can predict what he's going to run. I was with some people, and they go, "Well, they're going to run." He's going, "Fair enough." There was three runs in a row. He, you know, for an opposition to come in, doesn't take much to adjust against UTEP. There's nothing to adjust. Just yeah. stop the run. Um, I don't know. Um, it's going to be hard. There's no product out there. I'll be there at the game Saturday. Uh, I still support him, but it's frustrating. Something's got to give. He's, I know he's not going to give up. Style of ball. It's boring. It's predictable. And like I said, I've gone through a lot of bad coaches. He's right up there with the bad ones. Tommy, all those guys. And that's saying a lot. David Lee, the, the wraparound draw. Remember that? I do. Um, I do. I mean, to me, it's ironic that David Lee got so got, basically created the Wildcat and turned that into, uh, you know, he, he got an NFL job because of that. I mean, that's what's so amazing to me about David Lee. So, but I, but he failed here. I mean, he had a, he, he took over after Bob Stoll left and uh, was just never able to get it going at UTEP. So I understand well, that. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some guys that are good assistant coaches and not good head coaches. And I think that's what we've got here. We've got a great assistant when he was at Kansas State, but he's a lousy head coach. And he's stubborn. He won't give up the play calling. Someone needs to take – but that's what it is. Um, Vegas is coming in hot. 
they just rolled Vanderbilt. I understand yep. Vanderbilt is not the powerhouse, but it's still a, a power five school. Right. We had a chance at a power five. We got hammered. So let's go to the NFL now. Okay. You know, it's going to come down to three weeks from now. It's going to be a heck of a game between the 49ers and Cowboys. That's um, I hats off to the Rams. The Rams are a good team. If you look at the strength of schedule, 49ers have played a better schedule than Dallas right now. Um, you take the Jets, if they would have had Aaron Rodgers, it would have been a different ballgame. That's um, going to be fun. We uh, looked. I was watching the game, and kind of nice to see uh, Levi Stadium South doing so well. It was all red at Levi at uh, SoFi yesterday. It's amazing how they travel. Well, I can see what's going to happen, but I just had to get my two cents about UTEP. All right, appreciate it, Orly. Thanks for the phone call. Um, I'm not really worried at all about the opponents for the Cowboys compared to the 49ers. I mean, you could say Steelers and Rams on the road was tougher than the Giants and the Jets. Well, especially the Jets because you didn't have Aaron Rodgers. And then the Giants, you know, they came back. But, look, here's the fun part about this, okay? 49ers play the Giants and Cowboys at home. They've got three in a row at home. And that game on October 8th is going to be, it could be a 4-0 against 4-0 team. Adrian, I was talking about that earlier this morning on uh, Buzz on the queue, and I think that could very well be a battle of 4-0 teams when the Cowboys and Niners clash um, you know, in California on October 8th. Well, the two teams that stand out in the NFC are definitely the Cowboys and the 49ers. And look, Christian McCaffrey is the weapon that we all thought he was, uh, and he's healthy right now. That could always change. He's The durability factor has always been kind of an issue for uh, Christian McCaffrey. But then you look on the Cowboys side of things. If they experience injuries, if they ha- have uh, hits with depth, then they could be in the same predicament as uh, the count out the Eagles. I mean, uh, even though they looked a little lackluster, against the Vikings. That was a Thursday night game. I don't really take a lot out of Thursday night games, and I would still put Philadelphia atop that NFC list with the Cowboys and the 49ers. I think that's fair. I I really do. 28 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. You want to get in uh, at 600. ESPN El Paso is the easiest way to connect with us or the phones. 505-6009. That's our telephone number, 505 Six zero zero nine gets in and through to the program. Uh, meanwhile, I'll say this too, Adrian, about uh, you know UTEP because it really it was one of those weird games because if you look at Gavin Hardison's stats, he completes less than fifty percent of his balls, but he got absolutely no help from his receivers on Saturday night. Didn't throw any picks and probably should have had closer to a 65 to 70% completion ratio given how many balls were dropped on Saturday. Yeah, I love that uh, stat broadcast and usually now most advanced stat uh, groups will start to track drops. And I love this uh, fact. And I think it's the harsh reality, but it's true. Uh, UTEP recorded four drops in the game, including uh, Kelly Akari, who has been great to start the season but was awful at Arizona. He had three drops in that game. So they just could not get on the same page, he and Gavin Hardison. Uh, But as a team, I I feel like the Miners right now are running out of excuses. 
losses. I, I, I think every week you start to hear uh, different things from different players, but uh, you know, time is running out. They're one yep. and three right now. They're only averaging 14 points a game, three points at Arizona, seven points at Northwestern. Third downs are brutal right now, and they, they've got to be better both defensively and offensively on third downs uh, in opportune situations. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't even, you know, last week's game at Arizona, I just ride it off. The first half they were competitive, but when the offense can't put points on the board, then what does it really matter? I just never expected the offense to be struggling this mightily. Did you? No, I thought they'd have a better ground presence. I mean, I think they finally, you know, when they went back and finished the stat book, it was like 49 rushing yards. That's atrocious. This was a team going into uh, Arizona with a top 50 rushing offense in the nation, and they were that bad on the Reds. You know, to me, that's abandoning the run. They're playing from behind. I think Orly is exactly right. When any team gets a lead against UTEP, forget about it. This team is not built to come from behind and win games. And I think they're going to face a really tough task against UNLV this Saturday. Oh, there's, there is no doubt. There is no doubt about that. And as you said it earlier, this is, this is their season. Because if you go one and four, this team, there is, this team is simply not going uh, five and two the rest of the way. It, it, it's not going to happen. So you got to win. That's just what you have to do. You have to win. Butts about it. Bottom of the hour as Sports Talk continues. Let's go right back to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Appreciate you here on Sports Talk once again. 505-6009. That's our telephone number to get into the show. SPN El Paso. That is at 600 ESPN El Paso. Um, also, uh, this came in from Augustine. Steve, did you see that final of the Commanders and Broncos? I mean, so god-awful. Talking about the uh, Commanders ended up getting the win, 35-33, um, considering oof, the Broncos from Russell Wilson, but then they were able to hold off the two-point conversion, which would have into overtime. So, once again, um, and the crazy thing is that conversion throw, it looked like pass interference. In fact, it was almost positive it was pass interference. So, um, you know, instead, no, um, no flag, and Washington down 21-3 to in Denver. Gets the win, and uh, big win. I mean, look, the Commanders are 2-0. and And I'm going to say this about the Commanders right now. Sam Howell went 27 of 39 for 299 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. So, you know, that's, hey, he's given the Commanders exactly what they need. Someone that can throw the football, not turn it over, not make mistakes, and what a rally that is coming back from being down how high. 
Yeah, no doubt about it, Steve, but I'm still putting, you know, a lot of people were uh, uh, jumping on the refs right now. I understand from the Broncos' perspective, uh, but they're not getting the quarterback play they need from Russell Wilson. That's the bottom line for the Denver Broncos. If if people want to go out today and say, oh, you know, the refs cost them the game, sure, they may have cost them an overtime opportunity, but Denver blowing that lead is inexcusable. Russell Wilson was sacked seven times in that game. I put a little bit on him for that. Uh, He had an interception. And then he doesn't have the excuse anymore that he doesn't have the weapons. He had Cortland Sutton back. He had Jerry Judy active and ready to go for Denver. Uh, I like P. Ryan, the running back for Denver. I think he's a nice complimentary running back to Javante Williams. But that offense is atrocious. I'm not a fan whatsoever of the Broncos to start off the season. I think they need to look elsewhere at quarterback. And for the commanders, they've got the Bills and the Eagles ahead. Let's see how they can do against better competition versus just the Broncos and the Cardinals. That's very true. Very, very true. Um, and, you know, that's, that's why I love all these, you know, the NFL reaction after two weeks. Like, if you look at the standings right now in the NFL, it is wild. I mean, here are your 0-2 teams right now. Eagles, the Texans, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals being without... Um, Kyler Murray, that's understandable, okay? Also, the Bears, I was hoping for more, but I can see it, same with the Texans. But let's be honest, the surprises so far, I mean, the Patriots, they commit to Mac Jones. You think having a home game in that mix, they could have done better, but I'm a little disappointed in the Patriots, especially their performance uh, this weekend. Um, Bengals, shocked, they're 0-2. Chargers, shocked. They're 0-2. Broncos, well, look, when you blow a big lead like that, you deserve to lose. Nothing really is said, although you would be surprised the Sean Payton team is 0-2. Vikings, shocked. They're 0-2 right now. So there are plenty of winless teams that have raised eyebrows on the fact that they haven't been able to, to, to win one of their first two games. Of those 0-2 teams, who do you feel the best about? Like, who can turn it around and then be a playoff team when it's all said and done? Bengals, I still feel like they can do it as bad as they've looked in two weeks. Now, remember, I mean, they lose to the Ravens 27-24. So that was a close game. And, they, you know, you look at their schedule, they're home against the Rams, at the Titans, at the Cardinals. I can easily see them turning it around in the next few weeks. I think that's doable. Other teams that, to me, can uh, resurrect themselves pretty quick. Um, you know, it's interesting. Vikings play the Chargers this week uh, in Minnesota, Adrian. That means one of those two teams will be 0-3. And, and no matter who it's going to be, Minnesota or the Chargers, that is so hard to battle back from an 0-3 deficit to get to the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not. I don't feel great about either of those two teams. Uh, the Chargers still have uh, Brandon Staley as their head coach, who's just he makes bad in-game adjustments every single game. I mean, yesterday it felt like Tannehill was one of the worst quarterbacks who was playing in in all of yesterday's slate, but he was doing whatever he needed to against that Chargers defense. I mean, uh, Los Angeles has a lot of players defensively, but it seems like they cannot execute when they need to down the stretch. And then the Vikings, um, you know, they they uh, lose. 
lose a weird Thursday night game to Philadelphia in which yep. they had to play catch-up the entire game. I mean, I kind of feel like they have an easier road ahead of them, knowing they're in the NFC, knowing they're not in the AFC West like the Chargers. So if I am ha- if I had to pick a team out of the NFC who I feel a little bit better about, 0-2 right now, maybe it's the Vikings just knowing that they have an easier road ahead. I think that's fair. I definitely think that's fair. So, all right, 20 in front of five as Sports Talk continues. Let's go ahead. We'll take a timeout, come back, plenty more. You're live with us, Border City Alehouse, 1506 Lee Trevino. Come down. Our Monday Night Football doubleheader will be happening right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. 47 past as Sports Talk continues. Uh, back with you live, Border City Alehouse. We're going to be giving away so many great prizes. You can come down and select from oh man ton of things we're going to be giving out we'll give you the list here coming up in hour number two of the show not to mention we're with you till about six fifteen when the uh, second of two get going with the Steelers and the Bengals it's kind of interesting how this is going to work today because I believe ESPN and ESPN 2 is going to have the Saints and the Panthers and then ABC and ESPN Plus will have the Steelers and the Browns. It's an interesting way they're they're doing things. It is, Steve. Uh, actually, ABC is going to air 10 more Monday Night Football games uh, this year, which is real interesting because of uh, different writers and actor strikes that have hindered ABC's primetime uh, viewing that you typically see yep. on Monday nights. So now we're going to get a chance to see a lot of Monday Night Football games on ABC, which I really like. So uh, Chris Fowler, Dan Orlovsky, and Lewis Riddick will be doing the or- uh, New Orleans-Carolina game on ESPN. And then I believe you got the Manning cast on the on ESPN2. And then Buck and Aikman will be on ABC for the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes like total that. sense, yeah. And Buck and Aikman are back in full form. Uh, love them and love the Manning cast, which, by the way, did really well last week, Steve. They got a lot of views, and I think it's here to stay now. I do, too. I do, too. So, hey, um, again, I'm, I'm checking out social. I'm checking out the app, uh, looking at all the different things that's being said. Pinky messaged us earlier in the show about 20 minutes ago. Keeping players healthy all season long is a key to all teams, all sports. He's right. Health, you know, if you don't stay healthy, we always have to preface that. We always talk about teams. If you don't stay healthy, it could be a long, long season. So, yes, I totally agree with that. Christopher Cadillo um, at 600 ESPN El Paso. Do you think the game between UTEP and NMSU will be the battle of El Paso high school recruits? Look at all the talent from El Paso playing in D1 and the FCS. That's an interesting thing. That Battle is, of El Paso High School recruits, Adrian. Very interesting right there. I mean, both schools are recruiting uh, the same guys, and I think that when you ca- when you talk about local prospects, uh, both of them usually pop up in the local prospects, uh, try to recruit some of those local guys. You see those uh, local recruits typically visit both UTEP and New Mexico State at one yep. point in their recruiting process, so he's pretty spot on there. I agree. Uh, Speaking of UTEP, why don't we talk about the new camo jerseys they are going to debut for the 9-1-5 game against UNLV this weekend. All right, 
I saw them earlier, thanks to Lane Frank, uh, the host of Schoolyard Sports podcast, who sent me uh, a little sneak peek of it because I hadn't seen them yet. I'm going to be the first to tell you, I dig the UTEP camos. Now, there is precedent for this, Adrian. Um, when my son played um, uh, for the first time baseball, like he was playing baseball, he started out on a team called the Yankees. Then we went to a team called the Wolfpack, okay? And the Wolfpack started with a normal jersey, and then they went digi camo blue and gray with the Wolfpack logo on there. And I dug the way the jerseys looked. So I was kind of into that digi camo look. Well, we haven't been with Wolfpack in a couple of years, but when I saw that UTEP brought out the gray and orange uh, camo with this particular look for the game, it reminded me a little bit of that style that my son played uh, played ball here at Southwest Baseball for years with the Wolfpack. And I was like, you know what? I like it. I like it because I've seen it before. Um, and I'm thinking if they go and sell these jerseys in the bookstore, I think they'll be a pretty hot item, especially with the connection to the military. How about you? Okay, I'm not a fan whatsoever of these. I agree completely. They will be a fan uh, favorite for a military connection. I believe that you throw camo on anything, especially UTEP, people will eat it up here in El Paso. Me personally, not a camo guy. And especially when you blend camo with other colors like this UTEP orange, not a fan whatsoever of these jerseys. Uh, Don't like the outline. Don't like the white that's involved in the jerseys. And uh, for me, if I see these at the bookstore, I'm definitely... Definitely passing on them and going on to something else. Oh, man. If I see him at the bookstore, I'm jumping all over it. I just, I don't know. Like, if you look at the way they did the, the, the so the way it is, folks, is it's basically dark, dark gray and light gray. And then they've got miners across the chest in white, outlined in orange. Same thing with the jersey numbers. White numbers outlined in orange. And then they've got orange sleeves. And I haven't seen the back but I'm sure it's probably the same exact design. Um, and when you look up close, Adam, it's definitely the digi camo is what it is. So I like it. I like the combination. I think the gray works with the orange. I really do. And you do not. <laughs> Am I right about that? That's correct. I'm not. A f- I think they could have gone the navy blue route and done a better job. I'm just not a fan of how the camo contrasts with the orange. If they had gone navy blue, maybe I would have been a uh, a bigger fan of this. But the way that the orange kind of clashes with this camo, just not a fan personally. But then again, I don't think I'm I'm too much of a fan of camo jerseys unless they're like the NFL jerseys where they did a great job with the camo jerseys. Army, Navy, all the air, uh, armed forces groups they do a terrific job with camo jerseys i think because it's all camo uh, i'm not a fan of blending camo with colors oh man i i I like it man i do so um anyway i I get it though look uh camo might not be for everybody but for me i saw those jerseys and i'm thinking my god that's going to be a hit an absolute hit and i think this year with with um adidas utep's knocked it out of the park so far i i like I like all the jerseys, all the combinations I've seen so far. I, I really do. I like the throwback look from 88. I love the camo look. I like their traditional three colors. I mean, is it crazy to think that UTEP has five jerseys that they can sport 
during the season? Five. Actually, that's a great thing right there. And I feel like uh, Adidas has done a great job. I would uh, back you on that. These are just not my favorites right here uh, from the Adidas rollout. So yep. I would I would be all on board for the throwbacks. I'm all on board for all the uh, color alternates, the whites, the blues, and the orange, but not a fan of these camos. Let's put it on the poll. What do you say? Uh, it's already there, Steve. People are siding with you. Ah, all right. Well, we'll check the uh, voting and the results of the poll question at 600 ESPN El Paso as we keep things moving till uh, 6.15. Sports Talk continues, 600 ESPN El Paso. So River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, by the way, uh, huge props to Adrian today. He woke up sick. He was not planning on coming in, but he uh, went to the doctor, got some good news. It's amazing what a steroid shot can do. And uh, rather than uh, take a deserved day off today just to get better, he uh, gutted it out today. It, it goes to show you the commitment that Adrian has for this radio show and, 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 and the station, to be honest. It really does because it would have been very easy for him to say, you know what, Steve, I'm going to take a day rest, be ready to go for Tuesday's show. But, nope, he's back today. Didn't have to do that. Adrian, appreciate you, uh, your dedication, and more than anything, uh, coming in on a day when you absolutely could have stayed home. Thanks for saying that, Steve. Uh, I was, uh, I'll say it again, I think the Miners' offense made me sick over the weekend. I feel much better right now. Uh, I'm ready to push through the rest of the show, and I'm excited to uh, to be here. I, I feel like, uh, you know, if, if you miss a Monday here in 600 ESPN El Paso, might as well miss the rest of the week because Monday's where it's at. Yeah, it really is. That's 100% correct, and we are here. I mean, this is exactly where we're at. It's, uh, once again, Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino, where we're uh, here every Monday for all of your Monday enjoyment. In fact, we've got uh, Pint Night here today, three fifty four, fifty five, fifty 55, 50 pints, $3 cans of Modelo, $4 um, Fireball. We've got the games on tonight. We've got baseball and football and the food. Um, the half-pound burgers, the wings, um, they've got so much great food. I, I like something off the menu, folks. But next time you come here, ask for a basket of fries and have them uh, deck them out the way they do their potato skins. So that means melted cheese, chives, bacon. And you can eat that on those fries uh, with some ranch, and now you're you're cooking with some gas. So, yep, the food is fantastic. The specials are great. The, the Monday night matchups are going to be fun, too, with, four, with uh, two games, four teams coming up tonight, and all of our prizes we're going to be giving away. Our friends at Kick Social at 812 Montana are giving us a free hour at Kick Social. We'll be giving that away today. Along with Relax El Paso, two free axe-throwing sessions, 808 Montana, for Relax El Paso. Uh, thanks to 915 Sports and Novelties at Bassett Mall, 6101 Gateway West, Space 325, we are giving away a very, very cool uh, Super Bowl championship cap from Super Bowl 55 and the Tampa Bay Bucks. That is something that we have out here today to give out. It is a 950 snapback from New Era. It's a gorgeous cap. And that's once again from our friends at 915 Sports and Novelties at Bassett Mall. Also, courtesy 
of all that music and video. And they've got everything, folks. Not just vinyl, CDs, video, the gifts. That's what's so amazing to me is I was there today. I saw figurines. I saw posters. I saw collector's items. I saw new releases, old releases. Something for everybody is the best way I described it, including sports fans. We're giving away keychains from all four teams playing tonight. Steelers, Browns, Panthers, and the Saints. I've got a Pop Funko from Christian McCaffrey in Carolina to give away. I've got four DVDs, one from each team, a couple of histories, as well as NFC Champion and Super Bowl Championship DVDs. I've got an insulated Steelers lunch bag we're going to be giving away. I've got a Saints lanyard we're going to be giving away. I have a Baker Mayfield premium vinyl figure from Funko that's probably, this thing goes about six inches tall, we're going to be giving that away as well. So you want to win, just come down, sign up with us. That's all you have to do, and you will be registered to go. All right, 505-6009, lines available to get into the show. In fact, checking the poll out right now at uh, 600 ESPN El Paso that we put out uh, a little while ago about the jerseys. What do you like, folks? Do you like, uh, do you like or dislike the camo jerseys that UTEP will be wearing for their 9-1-5 game? I like them. Adrian does not. 38 votes are in. You got two hours, 37 minutes left to vote. Right now, 53% say yes, love the camo look. 47% say no, I don't like them. Adrian, people are split on this almost down the middle, considering we have 38 votes in. I know early on we had a lot of, yes, I like them. Well, now all of a sudden we're starting to see that go the other direction. Very interesting with this poll that's up at 600 ESPN El Paso. Yeah, I think the initial count was like 70% all for it. So now that it's swayed, um, hey, props to you, our listeners and people on social media. Uh, Please get rid of these uh, jerseys. I'm not a fan. Okay. Pinky uh, just messaged in. After being in the U.S. Air Force and wearing that type of uniform for numerous years, no, not a fan of camouflage. We'll not wear our own anything camouflage except an Adidas UTEP cap. By the way, happy 76th birthday, U.S. Air Force. Yeah, he does have. Here's the funny thing. He's actually wearing a camo hat that looks like it's the exact same color scheme as the jerseys they're going to be wearing. All right, come on, Pinky. I see this right now. Uh, you gotta, you got to uh, side with one side or the other, man. Exactly. Exactly. Pinky, that is the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard. Not a fan of camouflage. Will not wear anything except an Adidas UTEP cap. Please. You're either a fan or you're not a fan. I agree with you, Adrian. Pick a side, Pinky, and stick with it. All right. Beast Mo uh, sent this to us earlier. What do you think it would, uh, what it would do? Would it change anybody's mind if UTEP had a camo helmet with a white pick outlined in orange? Now, you did a little digging today, Adrian. Virginia Tech adopted a similar helmet look with a camo jersey, but they really spent more time on the numbers and the sleeves in camo and kept the main jersey itself white, unlike UTEP, which kind of did it the other way around. They've got the numbers solid, but the rest of the jersey is camo. Yeah, it's it's digi-camo. It's not regular camo. It's digi-camo. 
seems like some of these uh, other college football teams do embrace the camo and they've done alternate looks like the Virginia Tech look or even others who've embraced the digi camo look. So, yeah, what Beast Mode is saying is not far off. There's other schools who do this. Right. All right. Uh, let's get through some other news that we haven't uh, yet talked about as we continue here on the show. But, um, you know, more than anything else, Adrian, um, you know, we've got um, we've got a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff to cover. That is, in addition to all the NFL games yesterday. And let's um, let's talk about this for just a second, because we had, um, you know, the Cowboy win. The Packers lose to the Falcons. They're a different team without Aaron Jones. I think it goes without saying. Bills bounce back, destroy the Raiders. Um, Ravens get a big, big road win against the Bengals to uh, stay undefeated. Bengals drop to 0-2. Seahawks came back uh, to force overtime and beat the Lions. Big win for them. Same with the the, uh, Titans who beat the Chargers 27-24. So a couple of overtime games there. Uh, Bucks made it look easy against the Bears. I'm worried if I'm a Bears fan. It wasn't easy for the Chiefs, but they get by the Jags. By the way, Jacksonville only uh, nine points in that one. How about the Colts getting it done with Minshew Magic after Anthony Richardson went down, beating the Texans 31-20? Man, I'm a big fan of Anthony Richardson. What he did early on to control that game, I mean, he's running like a beast. I thought uh, Shane Steichen, the new head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, he's done pretty much the same thing he did with Philadelphia last year and Jalen Hurts. So a lot of the run-blocking schemes, a lot of the uh, RPOs that you're seeing from Anthony Richardson, it's all from the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. So I thought he did a nice job. Zach Moss did a nice job for the Colts as well. Uh, yeah, and Gardner Minshew, he did all he needed to do is just manage the game in order to get that victory. No doubt. Uh, big win for the 49ers against the Rams. That was a fun game as well. Um, you know, it's what you expected. And by the way, um, again, Puka Nakua, look what he did yesterday. 15 receptions for 147 yards. Steve, I couldn't have been more wrong about the Rams. They're actually competitive. They're not going to tank. They're going to be like a wild card team who no one wants to play. Uh, I thought they played the best team in the NFC yesterday, and all the way up until the fourth quarter, they had a chance, and uh, I I just felt like it was talent. It was like a talent differential uh, in the fourth quarter. San Francisco had way too much talent to close that game off, and uh, Puka Nakua, man, who would have thought that he'd be the Mm. fantasy story of uh, the century right now? 147 receiving yards yesterday. It's like he's the second coming of Cooper Cup. Yes, is Cooper Cup a system receiver? Is that that's what it's making me think? It's making you wonder. It's making you wonder. Three other games to mention: Giants and the Commanders both get comeback wins. Giants were down 20 nothing early. They beat the Cards 31-28. I talked about that in the first hour. Commanders were down big to the Broncos. They win 35-33. They hold on. After a Hail Mary, uh, nearly ties the game. But they go for two. They don't get it. Controversy on a potential uh, pass interference call that doesn't get called. And the Commanders are now 2-0. and And the Dolphins beat the Pats 24-17. How about Tua Tagovailoa and how good he is looking early on? 
Yeah, he's really uh, coming onto the scene nicely. I mean, sure, he's got some of the best receivers you're going to have in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, who are virtually unstoppable right now. But his passes look really nice, Steve. It seems like uh, Tua Bailoa is on his way to uh, put his name out there for comeback player of the year. Uh, the Dolphins look excellent to start things off. Let's see if they can keep it going. They have the Broncos this week. I think that's a perfect opportunity for the Dolphins to come back home and to really show people that they are here and they're ready to go for 2023. Yep, I agree with you. Um, Ice Cubios gets in on the action at 600 ESPN El Paso. I like it, he says. Adidas is working to get more looks out, out there. Remember, this is also Heroes Night, so the team is honoring our military. Adrian is being a hater. Caesar, come on. He's not being a hater. He's being honest. Listen, here's the beauty of what Adrian said, and this is why I love this show, okay? I like the look, and I genuinely do, because I told you why. It reminds me a lot of uh, what we were doing with Little League Baseball with the same exact look, just different color schemes, which I enjoyed at that point. Uh, Adrian doesn't like it. Well, if he doesn't like it, what's he supposed to say? Uh, Just be quiet, not say anything? No. Be honest. Speak your mind. Hey, not everybody is going to like everything that UTEP or the Chihuahuas or Locomotive FC or New Mexico State or anybody in sports does. And you know what? Better to speak your mind. That's what this show is about. So, uh, Adrian, I support you on that one. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I really am. And apparently, Pinky just ditched his UTEP camo hat after uh, we told him. He's like, put up or shut up. He decided, all right, he's done. He's ditching his camo hat that he bought. Okay, I'm happy that Pinky chose a side. And you know what? For all uniforms, I feel like on this show, we're pretty big on just talking about uniforms. So if I'm going to give a lot of props to uh, teams like the Chihuahuas, teams like UTEP for having nice uniforms, well, I got to knock them when I'm not a fan of a uniform. So, yeah, I got to keep it fair on both sides. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway. Um, Nef Poppy. So will Camo make the Miners invisible on the field? They don't need Camo. They are already a no-show on grass. Don't waste the look unless the disguise makes you look like a real football team. That comes from Nef Poppy. Well, Victor, all I can tell you is, over the last three seasons, the Miners have been a much better team at home than they have been on the road, okay? At home, uh, it's a team that wins 80% or more of their games each season. On the road, well, that's uh, a team that has a hard time winning, period. So, you hope, Adrian, that the trending, uh, the trend will continue of UTEP playing better at home than they do away. If not, as Neff Poppy points out, then it won't matter and the UTEP season will be in jeopardy five weeks into the 2023 campaign. So I would say this. I mean, UNLV coming to town, this is the game that I've been circling before the season even started. And this is the game, the tell-all game. This is kind of like last year's Boise State game. And if UTEP treats it like last year's Boise State game, what they did last year is they put aside all the mediocrity that happened on the road. They put aside their road woes and not being able to score on the road. And they put together a great game plan to actually beat a Mountain West opponent. Well, what about beating a Mountain West opponent like 
like UNLV right now who's coming off a victory against an SEC opponent in Vanderbilt. So that that's a recipe for UTEP, trying to win the fans back, trying to turn their season around in terms of momentum and get themselves in the right position for Conference USA play. That makes this weekend an absolute must-win against UNLV. It does. It does. All right, uh, more reaction on social. We'll get to phone calls as well as we continue live for the next hour out here at Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino. It looks like I see a couple of friendly faces. Ryan Adams is in the house, and you should be here as well. Come on down and join us. More in a moment as we head over to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Border City L House, 1506 Lee Trevino, along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Well, the votes are coming in at 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter or X, whatever you prefer. To us, it's just social media, at 600 ESPN El Paso. And right now, 51 votes in. Oh, it has swayed Adrian's way. Interesting. 51% of you say, no, I don't like the new camo uniforms. 49% say, yes, love the camo look by the way i like the fact that um is it camo or cameo did i throw cameo on there you did you have cameo on the mind oh man i just noticed it it's okay I mean, it doesn't matter it's funny <laughs> because uh folks we have breaking news adrian is now on cameo he launched his uh, new cameo channel today for a mere, how many? How much money is it to record a personal message for our listeners? Mm, no, actually, it's a premium. It's like two hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> so it should be. But fifty-one forty-nine. We'll keep checking the poll in a little bit. Uh, more messages coming in. The text truth. Adrian has no sense of military night. Sport the look for just one night. Adrian says the text truth. So I'm okay with the military night, and I'm actually really okay with camo uniforms, just not these. Okay. Esau Hermesio gets in on the show. I like the idea, not the uniform. Go with white pants and a white helmet. Ah. Let me go back to that look for a second. I got to picture what that look would look like with white pants and a white helmet for a second. Let me do that. Take a look. Uh, Hang on. Let me see here. I don't know. I mean, I think they went orange for the contrast. Because if they went um, camo with, like, white pants and a white helmet, it would be a real, like, light look. So I don't know. I got I to think about that one. Can we um, – are we able to Photoshop and see what the white would look like rather than the, uh, the orange? Ah, that's interesting. The- yeah, that, we, we need somebody to throw uh, the Hankins jersey on, like, a white uniform, like an all-white uniform, to see how that would look. So what, what I guess what we need is this. We need, instead of the orange pants and the orange helmet, we need the white helmet and the white pants with that same jersey top, right? I guess that's yes. that's the point that Beast Mo was saying. So go from there and see what it looks like. All right. I like it. I mean, Isma, uh, Esau said that. Um, Beast Mo was back earlier. And I think Beastmo said, um, would it change anybody's mind if they had a camo helmet with a white pick outlined in orange? That was Beastmo's comments. So this was uh, Esau's comments. Um, Christopher Carrillo gets into the action 
at 600 ESPN El Paso today. Are you guys a primetime CU Buffs fan? How could you not be a fan of primetime? I mean, that's my thing, is that he comes in with relatively no coaching experience, wins at Jacksonville State, has turned a program that has been irrelevant for years into now one that everybody has uh, interest in. Yeah, I want to see primetime do well. He's cocky. He's fun. He's got his team believing. I mean, I don't know how many games the Buffaloes are going to win this season. In fact, you look at their schedule, they got to play at Oregon uh, and then home against USC. Let's be honest, Adrian. If they split that those next two games, then, um, then the Buffaloes are going to have a special season. But it's very possible that the magic dies out over the next two weeks against Oregon and USC. But, yeah, I'm a prime fan. I like him. I like what he's doing. I love the fact that he's taken a, a community that, again, has been irrelevant in college football in Boulder and made them believe. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, when's the last time we've had a discussion about Colorado football in a relevant manner? I mean, we never we've probably never Dan had Hawkins. that. Yeah, exactly. There you go. We haven't had that conversation in a long time, Steve. And I, I just think that it's exciting for college football. But you ask, how can't you be a fan or how could you not be a fan? I was at the district this weekend. By the way, it was a great watch party again. I think a lot of people were drifting their eyes toward the Colorado, Colorado State game, but there were a lot of people cheering on the Rams. Every time they would score, they would cheer, they'd get excited. It was almost like they had to be the antagonist, the hater, yep. in a sense. And, yeah, there are a, a batch of people right now who cannot stand Deion Sanders, who cannot stand Prime, who cannot stand all the hype. I mean, look, uh, college game day is there Saturday. You've got The Rock picking games. you got Pac McAfee going crazy. you got oh, yeah. Lee Corso, another head uh, gear, his 400th. And then on Sunday, he's on 60 Minutes, so he's every. Everywhere right now. Uh, by the way, if anybody missed that uh, segment with The Rock, first off, it was great because The Rock went was showed up. The Rock showed up at WWE SmackDown Friday night in Denver with Pat McAfee, and then I guess the two of them traveled together to Boulder for uh, for for uh, you know ESPN Game Day, and then he comes on and surprises uh, Prime, puts on Prime's new shades that he's that he's sporting, and then. Shoots like a promo about, you know, Colorado and Prime. It was cool, man. It was fun to see The Rock come out and uh, and do a little media this week. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, too. This is all entertainment. We're talking about college football here. We're not talking about uh, the typical, usual teams out of the SEC. Hey, Alabama. Hey, Georgia. It's a new team. It, it feels fresh right now. Shadur Sanders, I mean, that guy's amazing, Steve. I Forget, like, you know, Heisman hype or whatever. I'm just excited for the upside of his entire NFL career. This guy's a really good quarterback. No doubt. And I like him, too. And he's so far, what he's done is great. But let's be honest. Colorado State, uh, TCU uh, is one thing. Let's see what happens next when they uh, go from, and, and they beat Nebraska, but now they have to go travel to play Oregon and then play USC. Now, I'll say this. If they beat Oregon on the road, then as far as I'm concerned, this team might never lose and all bets are off. And, and Colorado could have the greatest Cinderella story in college football this season. They've already uh, piqued most interest. But how can you root against a football program that's been irrelevant for so long? They have star power. Star power changes everything. It changes the way you look at a program, and it changes the way the players 
uh, inside the program believe. And he blew up the whole team and basically swapped out the entire roster. So, you know, it's – listen – what Dion's done, and he was profiled yesterday on 60 Minutes, so it's a good piece there. If you haven't seen it, that's something to watch. But it's it to me, it is truly the story right now of the 2023 college football season. And there's nothing that even compares to what Dion has done early on out there in Boulder. You know, if at the end of the year we're reflecting on this season for Colorado and we're, we're talking about three or four losses, to me that's still a major victory for Colorado because of how irrelevant they were, like we were talking about. I mean, we, no one would even think about having a Colorado football discussion until now, yeah. and it's all because of Prime. And I'll tell you something else, okay? For a while I thought the Texas victory over Alabama was the story of the year. Then I watched Alabama Saturday almost lose to uh, South Florida, and I watched Texas struggle with Wyoming. And I realized that, number one, Texas is not as good as I thought. And number two, Alabama is even worse than I thought. So that was supposed to be, you know, the, the, the win that changes everything for Texas. But after watching the way they handled Wyoming at home, now maybe they were primed for a letdown after the emotional high of beating Alabama on the road. But, man, those two teams really made me kind of wonder after watching both of them struggle mightily on Saturday. Yeah, in addition to that, I mean, Georgia struggled against South Carolina throughout that entire game. Florida State struggled against Boston College. I thought they yep. were going down for sure. So it was a lot of weird games across college football this weekend, and we thought it was just going to be a layup weekend. Everybody struggled. They did. They really did. Bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, 505 6009 here on the show, 505-6009. Cruz, stand by. I'll get to you in less than two minutes as I send it back to Adrian for another Bottom of the Hour Sports Center update. Jaden, let's go right back to the phones, 505-6009. Here is Cruz joining us uh, next on the show. Cruz, how are you? I'm doing good, but how about yourself? Doing fine. Thanks, Cruz. Hey, I, uh, I, it's just an observation. Uh, what we're going through right now, this dry spell where we just can't get a win, I, I don't know. It keeps happening to us. We went through this with Tim Floyd and with Sean Krugler, and now we're going through this again, you know, in basketball and football again. I, I'm just wondering. Uh, but I, I, I'm still thinking that, Gavin Hardison is paying a little too much attention on the defense. He needs to put his attention on the receivers a little quicker where he can throw the ball about the time they're going to make their break. Because if he throws it a little late, these guys can run into the coverage down the middle of, of the uh, field or, or coverage. Uh, they get clouded up out there. And and I just think that. But that, that, that's an observation I wanted to point out, how, how we've been going through this with Sean Coogler, Tim Floyd, and now we're going through this again. It occurs. It's weird. I mean, you're right. Sean, um, you know, he peaked, uh, I think it was year two of his seven-win season and never got close after that. Um, you look at uh, Tim Floyd, a couple of 20-win seasons early, but it did seem like the last few years were, were tougher and tougher until he ended up retiring uh, from coaching. And uh, as far as this goes, I think what is so difficult to fathom is that the majority of the players that are on this team playing right now were starters two years ago when they won seven games. And they yep. were starters last year when they won five. 
and had they not collapsed in the second half against UTSA, would have been a 6-6 six and six bowl team. So just based on the fact that they won 12 games over the last two seasons and so many of these guys were key contributors, we immediately thought, all right, schedule is favorable early. They've got veterans back. There's not, you know, they're healthy. They're going to come back and, and do well. And that's what, what makes this start so difficult is that it's not like they had to start over and, and, and rebuild. I mean, they built this team for this season. This is the year. It's year mm-hmm. six. So, Cruz, that to me is what is so difficult is, you know, when you mentioned Sean Kugler and you, and you mentioned Tim Floyd, they had turnover, a lot of turnover those last few years. There hasn't been much turnover in this UTEP program. Yeah. It's, it's uh, can't put my finger on it, but, you know, this just keeps happening to us somehow, you know. Yep. Sure does. It's crazy. Appreciate the call, Cruz. Thanks for getting in, my friend. Always good to hear your voice. Let's keep moving. From Cruz over to George, who joins us next as Sports Talk continues live out here, Border City Ale House, 1506 Lee Trevino on a Monday. Hey, George, how are you? Hey, what's up? What's up, Steve? I went to the district on Saturday, had a great time, uh, met up with Adrian, and, and we were watching the game. And I, I have to say, you know, uh, a lot of my attention was basically on, on the Colorado-Colorado State game. It was an amazing game, came down to the wire. And, I mean, what he's doing over there, it's just unbelievable what Prime is doing. It just shows that, that he's, he's always been a winner, always will be a winner. You know, more, more power to him. You know, he's doing a great job over there. Just imagine, just imagine, we had a UTEP legend come and coach the Miners. You know, how insane would that be? An NFL rook, I mean, an NFL veteran come and, and coach UTEP. Somebody like the likes of, of Brian that that, uh, that has been taking center stage. I mean, yep. uh, just to name somebody, uh, Showtime. You know, Aaron Jones, once, once his career's over, would come and do something like that. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts about something like that happening? I mean, look, here's the really wild thing about what happened with, um, you know, with Dion. He started FCS. Like, he didn't even start Division One. Nobody in D1 took him seriously when he said he wanted to get into coaching. So he goes to uh, Jackson State, wins, and then immediately takes his team basically intact over to Colorado. So the fact that, you know, Prime wants to coach and no D1 gave him a chance out of the gate just shows you that even Sanders had to go ahead and for two years show people that he could win out of Jackson State. And he did. And then... You know, he gets the opportunity to, to, to coach in, in Division One, and I still don't think a lot of people were taking him seriously until Colorado gave him the opportunity. But he was 11-2 and two in 2021. He was 12-1 and one last year. He was 16-0 and in the conference the last two seasons at Jackson State. And, you know, what Deion said, here's the crazy thing, George. There aren't a lot of superstars doing what Deion Sanders is doing. It's not like NFL legends just suddenly decide in their 50s they want to get into coaching, take it up, and and get success right out of the gate. Like, 
what he's doing just doesn't it's not happening in in college sports that's another reason why it's such a unique spot yeah you know i i i I really do agree with you i think what he's doing is phenomenal it just uh it just you know how he got the team to believe how how he got him to buy into his philosophy it's just amazing, and 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 his son is is doing great. Uh, they did have the game. The defense did struggle a little bit with that crossing route that beat him a couple of times. But you know, in the end, they came out with a win, and more power to him. You know, it's yep. it's awesome. Right on, George. Appreciate the phone call, uh, Adrian. A couple of takeaways from that call. First off, what was it like being with George and all the others out at the district Saturday? Where I heard it was an incredible crowd. And and number two, they're just. I mean, Deion Sanders don't grow on trees. It's not exactly like there are other NFL superstars wanting to do this. It's just such a unique situation. I would say what uh, Deion Sanders represents is an out-of-the-box hire. And I think that you could all honestly look at uh, UAB hiring Trent Dilfer, who didn't have a lot of coaching experience. He's an example of that, although UAB is struggling, so maybe he's a bad example of how you know taking a shot like this might not necessarily work. Although, hey, maybe a little early into the season, we'll see how the Blazers finish out their year. But I look at UTEP's alum, like his his question of like what imagine if they got Aaron Jones or imagine if they got a former player. Imagine if they got Jordan Palmer, like a guy who's actually in this business, who coaches quarterbacks to abandon what he's currently doing right now, overpay him, and then make him kind of that next trendy coach who's going to change cultures and change locker rooms. Like that would be an intriguing name right out of the gate for me. I've asked. I'm one step ahead of you. I can actually confirm on this show at 5.40 on Monday, the 18th of September, that Jordan Palmer has zero interest getting into college or NFL coaching. Oh, man, that's a bummer. (laughs) I, I, I hate to do that to you. I hate to do that to you. But, yes, I can tell you the answer to that is absolutely not um here was the answer he gave me in terms of would he ever have any interest to go into college coaching no i wouldn't at any school that's not the direction i'm heading He's got bigger things ahead of him, man. He's coaching the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, whether it's uh, you know guys like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Kyler, Murray, he he coaches all the best of them. So why would I you know. why would you want to leave that role right there when all these coaches and players trust you? Not to mention, you're kind of you know you're you're considered the best in your business and what you do. So why change it? Why 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 deal with the aggravation of of college coaching at any school when you have what he has? So I'm with you on that one. All right, but I, and I and I the only reason I I read that text and I said what I said is you bring that up and now all of a sudden everybody's going to be talking about it and talking about it and wondering. So I'm like, you know what? Let me just uh, let me just nip this one in the bud before it even gets any kind of traction. Yeah, that's a good one. Hey, I, I would also say that uh, you know if you're looking alums, Brian Young. I mean, that's maybe the only other one I could say right now. Then we're having to wait maybe ten, fifteen years for other guys like well, Aaron Jones or any other alum. Here's the thing: Deion Sanders is not an alum of of Colorado or Jackson State. He played at Florida State, 
So the point is, they can go after anybody, right? All you need is somebody that's that like is mesmerizing, engaging, motivational, and makes you believe that anything can happen. That's probably what you need. And in that, they're prioritizing recruitment. Like, they don't care what, what about the X's and O's. They just want to get the best guys. And look at what Colorado did to prioritize recruitment. They did. They hit it out of the park. All these guys are ballers. They're going to be playing on Sundays eventually. How many millions of dollars do you think Colorado alums spent in NIL to build that roster? Oh, a lot. And good, and good for them. I mean, Travis yeah. Hunter alone, the guy who's playing both ways, wide receiver and cornerback, that guy should be stacking millions right now. Yep. Maybe he is. <laughs> Maybe he is. All right. Hey, 17 in front of six. So much more to get to. we got 30 minutes to do it. We also have our first Monday night game going on right now. It's 3 nothing Carolina leading New Orleans. We'll update that and a whole lot more as Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. El Paso is active right now in a big way. Ivan gets in on it at 600 ESPN El Paso. Deion Sanders is the Steve Jobs and Rick Rubin of college coaching. Jobs wasn't an engineer and didn't write uh, code. Rubens barely plays an instrument and has no technical ability, but they have the ability to make peeps believe in themselves and surround themselves with the best. More messages regarding the uniforms. Oh, by the way, Esteban, we need Dennis Rodman to coach the basketball team. That would be interesting. Dennis like Rodman that. coaching the basketball team. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, let's see here. Mountains and mesas. Easily the worst UNEP, uh, UTEP unis ever. Just a horrible look. Let's do helmet decals for military night next time. There you go. Also, Rudy gets in on it put my vote with an asterisk i love the military appreciation uniform but how about wearing the multi-cam pattern used now versus the previous acu pattern makes utep look out of sync with fort bliss right down the road could have done better on the field as well that comes from rudy who gets in on the action. By the way, the latest uh, in terms of the poll, Adrian, in case people are wondering, um, regarding do fans like the new UTEP camo uniforms, 51% say yes, 49% say no, 77 votes in. They are split right down the middle. Oh, man. I mean, this is going to be a contentious battle, Steve. Yep. It might actually go down to the wire. This is a three-hour vote. We might have to extend it if we don't uh, get a solid answer on this. We might have to. All right. Two hours down, one to go. Back with more, including our uh, final 15, 20 minutes with you as we get you ready for the other Monday night football game. And that would be Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Hey, the Browns going with white helmets and an all-white look. Have I ever seen the Cleveland Browns with a white helmet? I don't know. I like it. I dig it. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.